I'm Ayana Contreras, and you are tuned to Vocalo, and I am over the moon, as I like to say, to be here with the one, the only, Tidra Moses. Welcome, welcome to Thank Vocalo. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So the way that I tell this story is I've been rocking with your music for a very long time. Um, I remember very clearly I was cleaning the house and Soul Train came on. And that was when it was on on the weekends. And so right. during the day, you know, you're sweeping, got the Windex going. And this girl is on Soul Train, right? And I remember you wearing, this is very specific, like a gray leather jacket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was like kind of like a yeah, it looked kind of vintagey. It was really yeah. cute. I remember you, and I remember as soon as the record dropped, I was like, "Who is this girl?" I had no idea, and I was programming an urban radio station, like a like a college radio station at the time, and I was like telling everybody, "You got to hear this girl, wow. T.J. Moses. She's got you know blah blah blah." And then when the album dropped, when Complex Simplicity came out in '04, everybody I knew who was ahead was about that record. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. <laughs> you you know the funny thing to me is you would notice the clothing because you're clearly a fashionist. Yeah, I remember it very clearly. And then I went online to say, was that right? Was that what it was? And it I couldn't was. find it. It was. That it was. was. That's, it was definitely. It was. And I, because I, I had utilized that in the album packaging. Mm-hmm. And I wore it again on. Um, that's why I know specifically mm-hmm. it was definitely that jacket. I also know that you had had a past doing like being like a stylist for a minute so yeah. like today you dress like fly just coming from the airport so i'm in it's adorable overalls. but it's a but it's, it's fur though <laughs> fur makes it fabulous yeah well fur makes everything <laughs> fabulous you know please don't kill me peter but yeah no it does and the thing is is that i was never a key wardrobe stylist i worked for my best friend ananja mckenzie who's a stylist and costume designer and designer and um this was just, you know, we were all young, and she just grabbed everybody around her, like, come on, let's get it. And we we created, she created this group of us that just kind of, like, were killing it in the early, early 2000s. But it wasn't it wasn't my thing. Fashion still isn't my thing to this day. Yeah, but you always put together. In- I have best friends that love fashion, and they will not let me <laughs> not get it together. Like, pretty much everything I wear is this a group of clothing that my friends have, you know, my fashion friends have given me and say, what do you want? And then I purchase and they send the rest back. Like that's kind of, you know, unless I'm running them all myself, but I'm not a big fashionista, believe it or not. Mm. I mm. love the art of it. I love the art of all things, but Mm-mm. I'm not, I'm not pressed. I get it. I get it. Like I, I think you are. So oh. I wouldn't sit here and play myself and act <laughs> like I am when I'm sitting in front of somebody that clearly is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's like, it's one of those like uh side passions that I have but I'm really into music obviously you know um and speaking of music back to this record right like I mean obviously you've had a long career since Complex Simplicity it's going on almost 20 years since that record came out it's almost real close yeah, very close very close Crazy. somewhere about 16 17 years something like that it's I'm um, like oh four so that would have been almost it's like 19 yeah yikes yeah. yikes wow. I know super yikes that record I wanted to ask you about it. Um, what I loved about it was it really felt like it was um, like a collective, like it, it didn't feel like a collection of singles as a lot of the music at that time sounded like. It sounded like you and Polly put together like a consistent sound. Was that intentional or was it just like the vibe or what was that? I have to say this. Um, the truest part of me was a mixtape girl at that time. So when I went to Pauly, I went to sing over old Nas beats and stuff like that, you know. And 
The first record he gave me was a record called Caught Up. That's the first track he gave me. It's on the album. That's the first song I ever wrote completely and recorded completely. And that was the beginning of that sound. I can't say that I had that sound in mind. Well, I can say this. I can say that Aaliyah's Rock the Boat was pretty much the record that I felt like I wanted to make the album sound like it came. If if that record was to be an album, it had to feel like that, you know. Um, but I didn't have that all in mind. Like it wasn't like we went in with this thought. It kind of just, it kind of just kind of morphed into that. And somewhere around that time, Rock the Boat came out. It was my favorite record at the time. So that's kind of how we got there. And it does. It does have that kind of two-step kind of feel. Yeah. It also feels a lot like sort of the kind of 80s music you would hear at a skating rink. Yeah. Like Renee and Angela, that type oh, of stuff. Oh, my God. SOS fan. It kind yes. of gives you that vibe to a lot of the records. You have to understand that Renee and Angela, no, no, Angela, Angela, because she was cold and people don't give her. That's her, right, Angela Wimbush. Her, um, yeah, they don't, they don't give her what she deserves. Um, she wrote all of that and produced all of that. She was someone that I really loved growing up, uh, Shaka Khan, um, you know, all those ladies that kind of kind of sing their voice, and with their voice, they threw their voices, swing, kind of. And even though they had these powerful voices and they could sing, you could sing along still from the melody choices they did. So that was like a big influence on the record. And I think because where I was in life at that time, I was nostalgic for when I was a kid. And that's what came out of me. My mother had just died, and like we, I kind of wanted to feel the comfort of when I had moved from New Orleans to L.A. It was all very different, and life had changed so drastically. I think I was subconsciously kind of uh, pulling at the times when it was more normal and things weren't as out of whack as they had gotten. Yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, even that last track... I was doing, like, I was thinking about where that song sounds familiar. So you got the thinking of you, but it also there's the beginning part where it's this old soul of mine, yeah. which is just like that traditional gospel yeah. recording. And that's my mom singing. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so amazing. That's my mom singing. And if she would have lied, she would have killed me for putting that record out because she didn't think she sounded good on that record. Oh, she yeah. sounds amazing. She sounds amazing. Record. She did. And then I come in midway and I start singing and I think a lot of people don't understand that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think they think it's the same person. Mm -hmm. But I come in, I had an organist come into the studio and kind of just put a track on where people are still kind of saying, hey, sing, yeah, amen, you know. Mm And we kind of kept it moving that way. And um, on the 15-year anniversary album, my sons joined. So it's like three generations of, of uh, on that one record. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Did you did she ever record anything like professionally? No, my mother was one of those um, people that she was a singer that she kind of was attached to a preacher. 
-hmm. her dad, which was really her adopted dad, um, was a preacher. And I think that was kind of the lure to her being adopted because she was a young girl that could sing and, and was pretty. And they had a chitlin circuit of revivals right. in the South back in the days. And so she would accompany Pastor Neil. And, you know, all of them, all of the uh, preachers, they would have an accompanying soloist. Mm -hmm. And so my mother was that person that would accompany my grandfather. And he was pretty big on that circuit. So I have a question for you. I'm thinking, I, I grew up in the church, and I remember the, they would have the traveling vocalists and evangelists and the people, and there was like a whole circuit mm -hmm. going on. When you went independent, we might be fast-forwarding a little bit here, but when you went independent, there wasn't really a lot of contemporary R&B artists who created a circuit in the way that you did. But it does kind of follow that same concept. Like, did was that ever in the back of your mind? Oh, no, you just put it on my mind. <laughs> I never did. I never thought about it like that. My mother was a huge influence in me making music. Before I knew I would make music, I wanted to be like a lawyer, doctor. I wanted to be a businesswoman. You know what I mean? I wanted to have like a department store, something like that. Big businesswoman, right? I didn't really think about it in a sense of me being an artist, but she would always tell me, you know, Tindra, make sure you don't get cavities. So when you're on TV and you open your mouth, it'll be black all in your mouth when you're singing. Tindra, you should do this song over when you do the album. I had never talked to my mother about singing or anything like that, but I would sing all the time at the house and stuff like that. You know, just a kid singing. And now that I think about it, I really feel like my mother died October of 2000. So by November, I was starting to work on that album. This was not thoughts before my mom. Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to do it, but I never. So I feel like when you say, did I think consciously of um of this modeling my career after, or my start of my career after the gospel chitlin circuit, I didn't, but I believe in the power of others in other realms. Mm. And my mother had so much to do with me becoming a singer, my grind and everything, because I think she was pulling strings. I used to always think she was like telling God, like, do this for my daughter, like make her do that. Like, you know, that's how I felt, you know. I felt like she did. So that probably was her um, otherworldly in uh, influence on me that pushed me in that direction because it literally was just survival. The way we went was just survival. Like, um, I just didn't have the uh, patience to wait for a label to do this or blah, 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 blah. I just had to get a, or a booking agent. Blah, all these Back then, it was so stush, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I was a stepchild. I was like a foster kid out here, you know what I mean? So, like, I think that was more like my mother's otherworldly experience. I'm glad you brought that up because I've interviewed a lot of folks, a lot of my hero people from that era, and a lot of them tell the same story that it was like, especially like black artists, especially black artists that weren't doing super, super mainstream, like cookie cutter music. Uh, the major labels were contracting and getting rid of black music divisions. And it was just like, and then, I mean, TVT was its own situation. There was just like a lot going on. Yeah. And so a lot of artists, they just kind of disappeared off the scene. But you kept on doing it you know what I prayed very hard when I um was first getting the label and I prayed so hard to for God to put me in the right place right God is tricky like that because I prayed for him to put me in the right place I didn't ask specifically for this label or this label to give me this I just said God put me in the right place and God put me at TVT and I didn't quite make it through college I got pregnant first semester I was out by second semester something like that and um TVT was college for me because where I was coming from being a wardrobe stylist um, with major label artists and they're getting these $15,000, $20,000 budgets for one photo shoot, they gave me $5,000. Mm -hmm. Work with it. Mm -hmm. Figure out what you can do. You know, 
And it just really um, set the precedence for me understanding I have to take care of myself. I have to create, you know, between me and my sister, we're a team. And we just literally, to this day, we just take everything on. Everything on, like down to everything, you know. And I learned that from being at TVT. Some of my friends, just like college, like some of my best friends to this day are from that era of my life because that was my time to learn. And it really... God put me in the right place because little did we know the business was changing. That's right. And the business has come back around to where I have more uh, understanding of how this works than people that were on major labels. I have friends that would be off these major labels calling me saying, Girl, how do you? How do we maneuver? How do right. you do this? Because they're so used to this huge team of people. You have to understand, there was no real underground and independence when I came out. Right. It was major labels, and they chose what they wanted. You know, And all these... Um, Media outlets were for major labels only and all this stuff. But we had these blogs brewing. That's right. You know what I mean? We had social media brewing. We had chat rooms. We had all these things that a major label wasn't going to, I mean, a major artist wasn't going to sit down and do that. I did it all day. Right. I would sit and talk to those people all day, send them individually my music on email. So I think that just, it kind of, going to TVT put me in a position to know how to sustain, to get to, like, still be able to do it now. I always, I also think about how you were like one of the early R&B SoundCloud artists because yeah. a lot of like, I mean, you know, you, you hear about the term SoundCloud rap now, but I remember a lot of those mixtapes. Yeah. That was how I was staying in tune with yeah. you. And, and it wasn't even me putting it on SoundCloud because I'm not going to say I was that savvy. Most everything in social media up until like the er, like later stuff was started by some fan. Mm -hmm. And then they would be like, yo, Tidra, I did this and blah, blah, blah. I didn't know about these things. Like, it literally was this thing where we had Team Tidra across the world. And it'd be like these pockets, Atlanta, London, Paris, you know, all these different places where these young people were just doing all this stuff for me. Like, and that is the power of good music. I did not have a team. I did not have a staff. And they would put me into those places, you know. But that came from me starting out in that chat room and building relationships and, you know, constantly talking to people. But I didn't know anything about... I looked up one day and I had a Twitter. I looked up one day and I had a, a SoundCloud. I swear that's how it happened. Like, I don't want to act like I'm some brilliant genius about this, but it was my genuine... Um, God knew I didn't know what I was doing and people's genuine love for what I was doing and my genuine love for what I was doing that got people to, like, put me on like that. But, yeah, these records... Like, there's records to this day that people will play for me and I've totally forgotten. Like, yeah, I remember this was on SoundCloud. I was like, oh, it was? Okay, cool. <laughs> That's the thing I'm thinking a lot about. Um, I know that you don't have a lot of physical copies of your stuff, like outside of, like, I guess, CDs. So a lot of that mixtape stuff was only on the Internet. And if somebody, yeah. like... I mean, we sold them at the shows. Like, we used to press them up. People would be mad because it would be just, like, in this like, little slip cover thing mm -hmm. where it's just, and the stuff is just printed on the CD. We're like, this is not the album. Like, maybe it's a mixtape, right. you know? Like, we were hustling like rappers. You know, we would be traveling with... You know, this is pre-digital. Right. Because we came in right before digital. Everything went digital. And we would be, like, traveling around with these CDs, you know, and boxes and T-shirts and, you know, like rappers. You know what I mean? So people will send me uh, pictures of how you know, they still have their CDs and all these different things. But then I think it transferred right. uh, into digital. People putting it up on, like I said, the SoundClouds and the, um, their the own personal SoundClouds. And, like that, yeah. And, yeah, and the blogs and, and then, like, YouTube. Mm -hmm. So the question, though... Is is any of this stuff ever gonna get like re-released that isn't out? Cause some of the mixtapes I know, like I haven't been able to find the whole thing. Yeah, you know what? I would really love to go in and um, 
the thing with the reason why they were always called called mixtapes because they were not mixed and mastered. Right, right. And they were raggedy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you talk about your sweet. No, nah, it wasn't your sweet love. You talk about something else. But you know, these records are raggedy and like my pitch is all off. But they're raw and they're good records and they're well written. That's right. And I would love to go in because I pretty much have most of that stuff. I would love to go in and, and clean some of them up. Now, that would have to be the records that I wrote from scratch. Because yeah. I was like right. Ice Cube jacking for beats That's in like right. the 90s, you know what I mean? Right. So I couldn't use those people's stuff. That was their their stuff, you know, their their um, tracks. But other than that, the, my original ones, I would love to do that. Yeah, like I I enjoy Winter '96. That's that one was a big favorite of mine for a long time. Like there's a there's a long list of those songs that just are so good, and it's just like I would love for those to have that, you know. Well, at least I finally put Went to 96 in the in the um, set list. Yeah. Just this year. I've never played that record live until this week. That's my record. So now I have to come see you. You got to come, girl. Now I got to come. <laughs> now I got to come through. Now I got to come through. Remember when we used to just love everything. I'm Ayanna Couture. This is Vocalo Radio, and I am here in the studio with the one, the only, Tedra Moses. <laughs> peanut gallery, peanut gallery. Okay. A lot of younger folks are probably most familiar with you because. Katrinata did the remix, a recent remix of Be Your Girl. Yes. Which, like, when Gangbusters on the old Spotify. Was it on the Tickety Talk? Was it on TikTok? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I It'd, don't be know. <laughs> It'd be TikTok. It'd be TikTok. But, all I mean, it just, like, that blew album. up with the song Culture, which I love. We play that Thank on you. the station. Thank it's you. a record. Do you have a relationship with Katrinata at all? It, or it's, just it's very of... music. Like, you know, and that's my baby. Like, I love him dearly. I've loved Katrinata forever, you know? I've loved, not beyond just what we've done together, I love what he does, period. And um, definitely in my top five DJs at the time. And so um, we realize, I think, what it is. We're not like besties that talk every day. We, you know, if something happens for him, I hit him like, oh, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. He'll be like, oh, T, you know, blah, blah, you know, like that, like simple stuff. But... I think we realize that we have chemistry. And uh, this is gonna sound weird, but like making music creatively to me, coming together, it's like sex. Just because this person is good at sex with this person and this person's good, doesn't mean they're gonna come together and have good sex together. And me and Kate Chinata pretty much get it on pretty good. You know what I mean? We And I found that with certain producers like Kate Chinata, Trackademics from um, Oakland, you know, different, me and Paulie, me and um, Raphael Sadiq. Right. I found these chemistries that. I can't just go to the biggest producer and you think you're going to get a great, or he's a hit maker. And I, it just has to be a common, you know, a, a genuine connection. And I think Katrinata and I have that and we'll always probably continue to come together and do stuff because we have that. But speaking of culture, that was written by myself and my two sons, mm-hmm. um, Raz and Taj Austin, they're in a group called Coast Contra. And so um, that record is very special to me because that's the first time we really got together in the studio and, kind of like mixed it up together like that. And it also is on an album that won a Grammy. So 
I feel really good about that record. Yeah, it's a great record. It really is. You know the record. So, <laughs> um, let's see. I want to make sure I wrote. I usually don't take notes, but I want to make sure I cover everything. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, one quote, kind of just touching a little bit more on the um, the streaming part and the indie R&B before that was like a thing in the contemporary scene, which you talk, talked about. One of the quotes I heard you say was that um, sort of the sort of implosion of these record labels and all that, the result of that was that um, it brought the music to the people. I would not have a career if it wasn't for Pandora. Pandora set it off for me. I was not on radio like that. Even though, you know, my label spent money to take me to all these radio stations, they would play maybe a couple of times and then, you know, throw me aside because I had a green jacket. Like you see, <laughs> I was indie, you know. Um, I think that as much as they cheat us out of our money in the streaming system, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to me being able to still be here because people were able to choose I wasn't plastered in front of everyone between word of mouth and then people streaming and like finding me in the algorithm and see you have a stand. We started out, Pandora and whoever, I don't recall who was all around, but I know Pandora was around when I started. They literally would kind of lean towards the indie artists or the, you know, like the kind of like a, that hidden gym. Mm -hmm. They would lean towards that. So they would slide me into algorithms with Erica Badu and Jim Scott and Mary J. Blatt. You know, they would slide me into those algorithms. So um, I, I think it's a blessing and a curse because they rob us blind, <laughs> especially if you're an indie artist like me. They make deals with these uh, bigger labels and these bigger labels make all this money from them. The artists still get messed over. For me, I'm my own label, but I can't make the same deal that Columbia or Sony can make, you know. So yeah, it's it's a it's a double-edged sword, but I definitely think that it um had everything to do with me being able to still sit here and talk to you. Yeah, so cognac and conversations. I mean, that's a long time in between two like yeah. real life albums, but a lot of mixtapes, a lot going on. Sweeter were the days when we used to play. Catch a kiss it, hide it, go get it. Now we're grown up and there's more at stake Between love and lust is complicated I swear if you could love me through So you, from what I read, you like linked up with them for to di distribute this record mm -hmm. um, because of what the work they were doing with Avery Sunshine. Yeah. It was also like in that independence. Yeah, I felt like they were doing pretty good with her, you know. Um, at that time I felt like, you know, I needed someone because... It is not easy. It's gotten easier. You have to understand the amount of time I have been indie. I was I only put out one album with TDT, and that was indie too. It was just I was signed to an indie label. Mm -hmm. Then I became my own label. So I put out an album in 2004. By 2008, I was the label. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing it all myself, and then we get to put Shaniki, and um, they were indie as well. Mm -hmm. um, and they were through E1, distributed mm -hmm. through E1, and at the time, E1 had a lot of records coming out, and they, I think they were very surprised at how many people without promotion came to get involved with that album because of what they got on the last album, mm -hmm. even though it took 10 years. And um, I just needed help. 
But after that experience, which I thank God for that experience, I realized, girl, you don't need no help. Just keep going. Just keep, you know, like it's a new world. Right. It's a new world. And I just didn't, I couldn't do that, even though that was only seven years ago. I, it was harder to do what I'm able to do now than mm. on your own completely. And now I'm just straight through. E1 has turned into Monarch. And now we just go straight through. There's no middleman. I realized it ain't really no. They, it's not the, to sell your music off. Like if, when I say sell your music, I own my publishing, but to let go of my masters for the little money they give you and the little things they do, it's according to how how hard you want to go and, and how hard if you want to, what road you want to take. But financially, I think that, and just legacy, I think it just makes more sense to stick to myself, you know. And um, Cognac and Conversation is a wonderful album wonderful album I love the experience of doing it I, I appreciate Shanaki but we just party ways after that but you got me out here living in hell you said baby don't go don't go then you act like you don't want me here so but you do have a record that's coming yes I do I can't say on the radio how are we gonna what's the pronunciation how are we gonna you can say the BS oh that's right I think people should uh, I think these um, <laughs> what do you call these people that regulate y'all the FCC? FCC should, like, really cut it out. Like, I think that, honestly, because in other countries, this stuff don't really matter as mm-hmm. much. You know? And I think that um, these words are just colorful. How else would you explain it? How else do you say that without saying that? And that's exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I don't really, the BS. Okay. I just want to know, because when it comes out and yeah. we, we were, we're announcing it, I want yeah, to make the BS, sure. She, she keeps telling me that, my, my partner, she keeps telling me that. My sister, she says, um, how do you expect that? I'm like, I don't know, but you have to understand, I'm an indie artist. Mm-hmm. And, and I know other artists that are indie that no one ever talks about anything, but they're on the road all year long with people screaming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, these things don't matter in the indie world. They almost help you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's a little bit something for people to talk about, yeah. you know? And I didn't do it for that reason. It's just there's no other way to explain the experience I had when I went out to date after I didn't date for a long time. It, there's no other way to, ex- there's nothing, there's no words I could tell you other than those words to explain that experience. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I can relate. I, I can relate. Can. I can see it in your face. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> yes. I just had that flashback. Um, so that one, when is that dropping? I want to get it out this year. I've been releasing singles for like the past few years. Right. You know, I've released, um, I think I only released two so far, but I, I have another one coming. Uh, and it's like every year I release a single because um, I'm I'm a particular about putting out music because you cannot take it back. Yeah. So, and I'm sensitive. <laughs> you're an artist and you're sensitive about your... Yes. Correct. And the thing is, I'm only sensitive about it because I really care. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a nonchalant person. I really don't. I, I'm a person that works from within. I could care less about what's going on outside of me. Not that I'm not compassionate to people and all this stuff. I just can't care about what people are saying. It's too distracting, right? But if I don't do my best, if I don't listen to it and feel like, oh, girl, you the coldest. Like, you know, if I'm not bucking myself and I give it to someone and I put it out in the world and they say, this is not good, I'm going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. But if I'm 100% sure that I love it, there's nothing anyone could tell me. I would just think they have bad taste if they don't like it. Mm. Whereas if you don't like it and I don't love it, then you're probably right and I'm going to feel bad about myself. You mm. know, So I have to work very hard to 
make sure I don't care what nobody thinks mm. to protect myself. So you have so much wisdom from being in this for a long time. And I know a lot of people who listen to Vocalo are creatives and musicians and are in this thing, independent. A lot of folks who have come through, like Chance the Rapper came through, a lot of folks who are doing independent things. What's something that you wish someone had told young Tidra about that life? Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. But there's probably nothing but parenting that's more rewarding than owning yourself. This is the most disgusting business you can be in. They rape you blind. And I can honestly say they have never, ever, ever raped me. <laughs> ever. I didn't get paid one time for a show in Chicago, girl. If I see you out here, I'm going I'm to see you for real. But at one time, a check cashed on me. I've never been raped for my money. Me and my sister are two five-foot-two women, mm. and I weigh more than I do, did then, but we're lightweight women. But we, we have my father raised me to understand that if they, if they pay, if you're working for someone, they pay you what they want you to have. If you're working for yourself, you get what you are worth because you choose what you are worth. So I would like for any artist that is out here feeling like, oh, they don't fit the mainstream, this, that, and the third. First of all, it's a new world. Secondly, it's going to be very, very hard. There are a lot of sacrifices. But I didn't do that bad because my sons are indie artists too and are choosing to be indie artists because legacy is everything. You know, owning yourself is everything. And you do work hard in the beginning, but towards the end, you work less hard because you own it. And once you start making money off of I call it my welfare checks, they come every three months. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they come every three months. You know, and so like you 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 have to you have to believe in yourself and you have to thug it through the hard times, but in the end it is extremely rewarding. Just hold to it, you know. Remember when we used to just love everything? Love the way I said your name, love it when you touch me and we love each other so This is Ayana Contreras for Vocalo. 